Hello, welcome to this special Academy of Ideas Education Forum podcast. My name is Harley Richardson. I'm one of the organisers of the Education Forum. If you're not familiar with us or what we do, our aim is to foster public discussion about important topics in education, sometimes topics that others avoid, but always ones that we think deserve to be talked through. We try to do that in an open, no-holds-barred, but collegiate fashion. Um, in normal times, we run public face-to-face events every six weeks or so, but lockdown hasn't stopped us. We've moved online, kept going, and actually we've been doing more than ever. You might have noticed there's been quite a lot to discuss, not least the question of the lockdown and its impact on education. So I should mention at this point that I'm the parent of a 15-year-old who's currently, like most children, at home trying to make the best of homeschooling, and like many children, having somewhat mixed results. I can't help noticing that the overwhelming focus of the discussions about when and how to get kids back to school has been on the views of teachers, and much less so on the views of parents. Parents have a very important stake in this discussion, I hope you agree. So I'm hoping we can uh, help redress that balance today. I'm delighted to welcome Liz Cole, one of the founders of Us For Them, new parent-led campaign to get schools back to normal. Hello, Liz. Hi there, Harley. Good to have you here today. So perhaps you could start by telling us a bit about yourselves, uh, who are us for them, who's us, who's them, and what prompted you to start the campaign? Okay, Um, so us for them, us is parents, um, and them is is our, our children. Um, And it's a campaign we set up um, four weeks ago now. Um, We started off with three three parents um, who were all very concerned about the impact of school closure on children. Um, And importantly, we were concerned about the plans for reopening of schools, um, that they were predicated very much on um, social distancing measures um, between children. So we met. Um, a few weeks ago, two of us were uh, long-term friends and we met uh, the, the, um, uh, our, our colleague um, as part of social media discussions, actually, um, and we pulled the campaign together at that point um, to call for schools to um, be reopened, um, but without social distancing measures between children which we see as very much both harmful to children um, and also impractical um, in terms of actually allowing um, a meaningful and full reopening of, of schools and, and re-education um, for all. What, what's, what's your main concerns about, about the, the way that the, the you know, phased reopening is happening? What, what, what's bothering you about that particularly? Um, so th- there's, a, there's a number of areas. I think obviously, you know, one of the main ones is that many children have been out of physical school setting for you know, m- many weeks now, uh, 12 weeks, um, and they're missing school. We know the impact that that's having on educational outcomes. I think we probably all saw the headline yesterday about two million children that aren't um, doing any sort of online work um, during during the lockdown period. Um, so the phase reopening obviously is welcome that we're getting some children um, back into schools, but obviously this is only a few 
a few children because the, the capacity is 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 not sufficient um, to bring more children back. Um, so our concern is around that that simply you know we, we're we're obviously schools must be a safe environment um, but we're not able to have full opening for all but also we were really concerned and, and probably reacted very emotionally as parents to the images that we could see um, that the reopening was predicated on that we're actually opening schools now and subjecting children to these distancing measures which we believe are really harmful um, asking them to be two meters apart from one another, um, sitting at desks by themselves, um, that they're in bubbles, which might mean that they're not with friends to support and nurture them after they've had, you know, 12 weeks of, of, of lockdown. And we know that they already have suffered, you know, mental health damage from that. Um, they're not able to play sports. Um, they're in a in a very much an alien environment, I would say, that to, through a child's eyes looks quite frightening to many children. Um, and we were very concerned that this was something that really, really we shouldn't be asking our you know vulnerable members of society, children, to be to be having to do. And we were concerned that you know, the question that we could hear in public discourse was, how should we enforce social distancing on children so that we can open schools for them? And we felt the more appropriate question was, should we be actually enforcing social distancing on children? Um, and, and we were quite surprised that n that question hadn't been asked. Um, and that was why we set the campaign up to ask that question. Yeah, it's a good point. I'll come back to you about that in just a second, I think, and pick you up on, uh, get you to talk about that a little bit more. But um, I mean, uh, we, it's interesting, at the Education Forum, many of us um, have also been, um, not all of us by, by any means, we disagree um, on some aspects of this, um, but many of us have been arguing for a return to schools and we're very pleased when it like they would be. But I think it dawned upon us um, quite recently that actually we're not even sure this is a return to school. It's not doesn't seem to be education necessarily. Mm. Um, it's uh, certainly my son's secondary school student. Certainly, he's going back uh, one day a week for a couple of hours, uh, and that's pretty much as far as we tell. It's about motivation, keeping in touch, but they're not doing as, as far as I can see much in the way of education there. And and I think that as you've described, the primary school situation for the two years that are going back is 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 another thing altogether it doesn't seem to bear much resemblance to school as we know it um that's right yeah yeah i think one other point just to add on that is actually when we think about the provision in the phased reopening i don't know if it's the case with every um education authority but certainly my local authority in, in cambridge wrote to parents to say that actually because of the phased reopening of schools and obviously that teachers would now would be delivering um in-person physical classes um as part of that 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 would mean they would may not be able to offer the same provision of online learning um yeah just to, to the to the ineligible students so i think that that throws up a whole host of other questions that are sort of you know, macro level, but even at a micro level within a family, you have, you know, one child who's in school, um, going to school every day, and another who is um, sitting at their laptop at home, you know, doing doing work online that maybe 
you know, it, it's, it's variable in, in what they're getting um, and perhaps, even, perhaps not getting as much as they were before that phased reopening started. Yeah, and uh, I think, yeah, uh, I mean, it's we've had a number of debates about the um, lockdown learning uh, at the forum and um, I think we've all thought, well, there's some interesting things that might come out of this um, in terms of different ways that people might learn, might teach online and so on, but it does feel very much like it's the sort of homework model extended to fill the whole day and not, mm-hmm. not, not, you know, not again, it lacks that sort of human experience um, mm. that, uh, you know, you'd hope for a, a teacher and a, a room full of children. Um, and uh, certainly, I mean, my, my, again, going back to my own son, forgive me, but a uh, personal uh, anecdote, but um, they, they, a couple of weeks ago, his school started doing um, online lessons uh, once a day, just, uh, and, and just that in itself was, 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 you know, hugely helpful, but it's yeah. still, it's still, you know, the overall experience is 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 not education, and uh, you know, so, but um, so, you know, it's so it's interesting your point about social social distancing. I mean, um, you know, we're at the moment looking at where we're we're at. We've got the government's postponed full return of primary school pupils to the autumn. The opposition is saying, you know, give us a plan, give us a plan. Uh, fair enough. Uh, there doesn't seem to be much of one. Um, and the unions are saying they don't want teachers to go back to it till it's safe. Um, all these groups have in common the idea that social distancing is necessary. They may mm. be quibbling at the moment, going out at the moment, going about whether it's one meter or two. But they all think, well, you know, it's social distancing is a given. But you're saying that's even that's too much. One meter is too much. So, so why don't you think social distancing is necessary in schools? So I think we feel that it's harmful and it, and we shouldn't be considering it for children um because I, as i mentioned we've got a lot of evidence um that social isolation is harmful to children um we've seen papers from um the, in the bmj about the collateral damage to children of um of the sort of school closures and isolation it's obviously has an impact on their mental health it's impacting educational outcomes it's impacting um on on equality um impacts on their physical health as well um we know that loneliness has an impact on children and there was another paper that suggested you know the length of loneliness um, caused by this lockdown period could have long-term mental health impact on children um, so there's a growing body of evidence on that. And we believe that by enforcing social distancing in a school setting, what we're actually doing is compounding that damage. We're making that damage worse um, because we know that children have already suffered damage. The Department of Education had done a survey, and this was in April, so bear in mind we're now in June, saying that it was a survey of parents you're probably familiar with, saying 67% of children had had um, mental health damage from from the social isolation and, and, and lockdown period. So it seems to us to be completely inappropriate to be making that damage worse by forcing children to do something that is not um is not is is not is, is bad for them. I mean children learn by being together, they learn by interacting, um, they need support from one another. Play is vital for children, for younger children, but also for 
you know, for, for teenagers, um, it's a time in their development. As a, there was another paper that suggested this, social interaction is vital for, for teenagers and adolescents as well. We, their brains are developing and they need that to, to develop. You're, you're starving them of something that they, that they need. So we believe that because it is so harmful to them, um, and the fact that the viral the virus does not um, affect children directly, we think there's well-established evidence of that. We believe that these measures are disproportionate for children because these are measures that are being put in place to protect adults and not to protect children. Obviously, we understand, and I'm sure we'll, we'll come on to talk later about the other risks and the you know the role of children in in transmission but just just as far as the impact on children goes we're asking them to do something to, that has got no benefit for them and we know it will harm them and you know at, at the end of the day what we're, we're not saying that there's no measures to support infection control in 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 schools um the Department of Education, again, has a hierarchy of five controls, which, again, I'm sure you're familiar with, um, mm. one to five, and it's to be worked through in a hierarchy. Um, staying off school when you're unwell, um, observing hand washing, which we know was the biggest factor, actually, in reducing transmission in the community as a whole anyway, respiratory hygiene, and then cleaning of the environment. Those are the first four measures. And so the minimising interaction, which is the fifth measure and the only one that will harm children, um, is we're basically saying what is the importance of that measure? What, what value does that bring um, to the infection control process that justifies the incalculable harm, which we know it will do for children by isolating them and also preventing them from returning to school? So, so what would you, what do you say? Because we've had I've had this argument a lot over the last um, few months with friends and and um, people and pe- people I know who are interested, um, and you know you know they said, well, that's we know about this as well. We understand that school is it's better for kids to be in school than not, but you know, but fundamentally, safety uh, should come first. And um, you know, just today we've heard about new cases in New Zealand, supposed to be COVID free. There's reports of a second wave in Beijing. Um, as long as there's mm-hmm. a risk, shouldn't the desire to return, you know, the admirable desire to return to normal, be trumped by the safety of those involved? How, how would you respond to that? Well, I think I'll respond probably as many people do respond to ask, well, what is safe? When when do we establish that things are safe? And that's I haven't heard that sort of counter position of, you know, what what then would we seem to be safe? Not only in this, you know, situation, but in any situation, because we know, for example, that children are as much at risk from flu as they are from COVID. So I think twelve children die last year of flu. Um, we don't suggest that we shouldn't open schools um, in that situation. I think we also got to look at the balance of harms as well. Um, again, we know that suicide is the leading cause of death in five to 19-year-olds in England. Um, and given what you know, we've just discussed about the huge impact on mental health of, of children, um, you know, this is a this is a serious concern um, that we are already seeing. You know, I've seen reports in the papers of you know very tragic situations with young people um, that have directly attributable to this situation. So, 
what we actually think about safety um i think is a whole a whole other a whole other question um and i do think that actually when we're thinking about safety as well we've got to look at the look at the reality here the reality is is that adults spread this disease more than children do that is that is true um and their lives are now being restored to them albeit slowly but they are being restored to them um but we know perfectly well that that you know children um children don't suffer from the disease as much and they don't spread it as much so again i would go back to the point that it's this is a disproportionate response um there is always a risk we know that um people of working age have a low risk from covid as well i think david spiegel holter talked about that um in some detail so i think actually what's needed here is a much more um sensible and nuanced conversation about safety the evidence and balancing the various harms here because um in my opinion and there's a growing body of 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 support for this view is the balance of harms is no longer worthwhile yeah understood so um the uh, but you, you mentioned a minute ago you, you know you said knowledge that it's not just children involved here there's teachers there's mm-hmm. the there's the um the relatives of the children and teachers there's other staff uh, people that they encounter on the way to and from school you know you talk about the human rights of the child um but what about the teachers all those other people who who might be affected by this yeah um and again i think as i say we're not we understand i completely understand how people feel about this situation and i think it's completely understandable for people to feel nervous um and you know want um want to to feel reassured um at the end of the day we've all been um we've all been subjected to um daily news about the about the pandemic um and people are are tense and anxious but you know i think we should feel reassured by the data that typically people of working age are at low risk from from this um from this disease that there is data that that indicate that schools are not a high risk setting um we know um that again teachers are not in a particularly high risk occupation um and we do have measures available that can protect um protect us by focusing on the measures the 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 infection control measures that aren't going to um be, be damaging um to to to, to I, children I, i was going to ask i mean you you know um you know without some might accuse you of being absolutist about the no social distancing um policy but um you know do do, do it sounds like you do see the the need for some practical measures in schools to mitigate the risks yeah i mean we as i say we our position is that um social distancing between children we don't we're we are absolutist about that i don't think there should be any i think if i was asked this today if if the government said social distancing would be reduced to 1 meter would that satisfy you as a group and i would say no it, it doesn't because 1 meter or 2 meters it doesn't it doesn't um really um change the fact that that will disrupt children's essential interactions um so i i 
I'm absolutist about that. No social distancing between children. I think the question of whether teachers may social distance from one another and from students, I think that's a model that they have in the Netherlands. Um, that I saw an article about where the children are social, they're not social distancing, but the adult school staff are social distancing between themselves and from the children. So I think that, you know, that is an interesting um an interesting approach and we should absolutely be um, stringent and um, very supportive of making sure that people aren't going in, into school settings when they when they have symptoms, um, that we are focused on respiratory hygiene and hand hygiene um, and that we, we observe cleanliness within the, within the school um, environment. Um, but again, I, you know, I think I'd go back on that point about uh, the, the sort of connection with adults. I would really like to just say again that, you know, adults are more at risk from other adults than they are from children. Mm. So I think that's probably one of the one of the misconceptions of all of this that I, if I find the most troubling because we know um, that, you know, children are half as likely to become infected as adults. There was a um, there are a number of studies pointing in the same direction. So we know that in looking, there was a study looking at infection pairs. Almost all of those pairs were adult to adult. There was minimal child to adult or child to child um, transmission. So again, that supports the fact that the risk is more from adults um, than from children. So again, ch um, children are being disproportionately um, affected. So, um, yeah, I mean, you've obviously mustered um, a lot of evidence um, about, uh, you know, to back up your case. Uh, is, you mentioned, um, sorry, I can't remember the country you mentioned, but uh, we know, it, I think in Western Australia as well, parts of Australia, certainly there, there's um, return without social distancing um, yeah. in, in a similar way. And it does just, uh, you know, not being a teacher, it does strike me that the teachers must be, must hate, must be hating it as much as the kids are. They, they, it really can't be a pleasant um, experience having to, to uh, put all this in place, plus all the stuff going on outside the school hours to try and make the school ready. Yeah. Um, it, it really, yeah, it must be very difficult. Um, but, uh, um, but you know, you, so you bring a lot of evidence to bear um, on, on this. But I, again, from personal experience, I know that you know when when you, when when you know I might argue, well, things are generally safe. You know, there's this piece of evidence saying that um, you know transmission rates low, or whatever. Someone always comes back um, and says, well, there, aha, there's this evidence that says exactly the opposite. Um, so you're wrong, and it's kind of you know, uh, it's. Um, it's kind of interesting, but uh, you know, to trying to figure out what to do in that because at the end of the day, none of us know for sure. The evidence is always being, you know, um, refined and and uh, and some of it's contradictory and so on. Um, you know, so, so this is a question we've grappled with a lot. You know, when we don't know for sure, what do we do? And so, you know, how would you persuade someone who's heard evidence on both sides and is not sure what to do? You know, how would you go about winning them over to your case? Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good question, and obviously, any of us that spend any time on Twitter know that there's always that sort of back on back and forth of uh, of evidence. I would say again, you know, the evidence base is going in one direction. Um, it is going in the direction that you know children play a lower role in transmission. We have 
ample data that children aren't affected themselves but we're really the questions around this are all about children and their role in transmission so that role is limited and that evidence base is growing I think what I would be what I'm saying what I would say to people is who are, who are sort of struggling with this is to think about you know it's not actually just a scientific question is it this it's about this it's about our society and what um, what kind of society do we want it to be for our children? It is desirable to have children's education restored clearly for, for them, for their own outcomes to stop the, um, the awful sort of attainment gap, which is now um, opening up for our own future as well as a society. Um, if we don't, restore normality for children if we don't give our children the opportunities that we enjoyed ourselves um, then what are we going to be faced with um, in society and I think this is the you know at the end of the day this is an, a, an ethical emotional um, argument we we want doctors we want teachers you know we want more more um, well, doctors we want people to have the chance to fulfill their potential for their own benefit but just for the benefit of our of our society so um i would say that it's in everyone's interest that we take those really important steps towards normalizing things for children um and they will give us hope for the future that we can come out of this um and we can learn from it and we can come out stronger um from this experience yeah, uh, and it's, uh, you've just made me think as well. It, it's, it's, uh, I, I do wonder what children are making of, um, especially younger children are making of all this and, and how adults have been responding. And going back to the evidence thing, it also strikes me um, that, you know, people seeming to gravitate towards, you know, um, when they're assessing the evidence, they're hearing about it, they tend to gravitate towards evidence that they like and others, you know, that they don't like. Mm -hmm. um, and... Um, and some people are being sort of more optimistic, pessimistic about, or, or pessimistic about it. Um, yeah. And you know, I can't help thinking that there's something that children are going to pick up on that. And you know, perhaps part of being an adult is looking and saying, "Well, look, times might be tough, but actually, um, and there is risk and uncertainty. But um, you know, but there's hope, and we can you know get through it, and uh, maybe sort of yeah. erring, erring on the side, possibly of the." of the the you know although none of us know for sure erring on the side of the more optimistic uh, view of things perhaps but anyway um i'd like to move on now and just you know talk about what you were aiming to do but maybe you could tell us about you know you've been around what did you say four weeks three months decided yeah. to um set this up um what what re responses have you had to the campaign uh, so far yeah, so it's interesting. So initially, when we set it up, we were very much the lone voices out there in the wilderness. And yeah, it was very uncomfortable um, because we did get a lot of pushback, um, you know, from 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 various um, from various places that. Um, uh, you know, from, from this position that actually social distancing between children should be from be should be a given um so we did get support um but it was it was quite tough to you know to 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 make our case and 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 garner that support i must say that we've 
we found though that support has grown and it's quite interesting where the support is coming from so we've had for example um, emails from head teachers who said that they shared our concerns and our worries um, that they wanted to restore normality um, for the children in their care as soon as possible um, we've had support from um, psychologists um both you know have contacted contacted us individually um to say that they you know they share the concerns about the harms um to, to to children um and then i think over the last um you know week or so we've really seen a shift in discourse um that it's no longer um you know a, a position that isn't held by anybody else we've seen the um the open letter i don't know if you'd seen from ellen townsend and the 120 um psychologists who were yeah. very much aligned with our view that um you know children need to have their worlds restored basically um and that should be removal or minimizing social distancing so they can get back not just get back into schools but actually have their lives their sports their music everything restored so that was a very welcome um to see that um i've seen actually um yesterday a, a public health expert had said that she would support return to normality um for children in schools as well um and i think um you know there's, there's a growing i guess a growing um swell of opinion that recognizes that not only is this damaging to children but actually it's going to it's going to um rob um teachers and and um students of the ability to um have schools open in any normalized way cheers um and i know that you've uh, well i understand that you've received a lot of interest in scotland um where <laughs> education secretary john swinney i think it was sometime in the last yeah. week uh, suggested that blended learning sort of a mixture of online and and um face-to-face -face might be required for the whole of the next academic year yeah. from september i think nicola sturgeon has sort of softened we'll come back on that a little little bit but um but uh, tell me more about that yeah so we um we set up a um facilitated a facebook group for our um supporters who were in scotland and they were really calling for that because obviously the issues are, are slightly different issues different timelines um, different plans forthcoming so we set up a facebook group i think it was on on friday or saturday and on friday it had 300 members and today it has 4000 so um it is a huge amount of um, growing support in 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 Scotland um, from that, many many parents who share our concerns. Do, do you think that's because um, Swinney sort of has said uh, explicitly what what is you know implicit in what's going to happen everywhere else? Is that, is that what's brought I, it to the Yeah, surface? I think. I, yeah, I mean, what basically um, what what I see here is that this is the now the plans have been shared and parents are seeing the proposals from their children's schools um and they're very worried um they're very very concerned and you know they are prepared to they're prepared to um to, you know to, to to push back and and make their voices heard um so i mean that's a very a very there's a very strong wave in scotland i would say and interestingly um one um 
Labour peer um, Jack McConnell actually joined the Facebook group um, okay. in order to engage with the parents and hear um, the concerns. Yeah, it definitely feels like um, there's been a certain amount up in England, at least, um, of people thinking, well, okay, this is, you know, one term, maybe two. Yeah. Then we've got the summer where everything's going to come back to normal. And then we'll be, as in people will have the summer breaks and then from autumn, September on back to normal. And it seems to be becoming more and more apparent that that's not likely to be the case mm-hmm. um, if things carry on with the same. Certainly with social distancing in place, it seems very hard to yeah. see how that could could be, could be, could change. Um, so, um the, uh, I mean, it's also interesting on your website. You mentioned um, something that I haven't, I haven't really spotted that, that the uh, government, you know, uh, has claimed to have consulted in, in drawing up its plans. It claims to have consulted schools, teachers, and unions. The m- obvious missing group in that is parents. Why do you think that is? Um, it, it's it's probably a feature of um, you know that that, that parents haven't organize themselves um in in that way um, i think parents and children are, are missing from the discourse although i would say the children's commissioner is is really you know sort of stepping forward um now but i do think that you know parents are important stakeholders um and obviously not every parent shares the same opinion um you know we know that we know that you know there's many parents that don't don't share our, our views but let's have those voices heard because um you know that it's about a a partnership um in terms of um education and and parents are very very worried um and i think becoming frustrated that they're not able to uh, you know get get their worries and their concerns um across in any formal in any formal capacity Thanks. Uh, and um, I have, forgive me, I have to ask you this um, because uh, just sort of preempting a question which tends to come up in these situations. But I know I've seen it happen many times. Uh, your campaign groups, group starts um, and, uh, you know, gets a lot of stick on Twitter and so on. And um, actually happened with a couple of teachers um, saying, let's get kids back to school as soon as possible. Um and, you know, big pile on Twitter and accusations that they were being all these questions about where they were uh, being funded. You know, basically, are, are they um, have they got some big money behind them? Uh, are they a front for some evil malevolent? Um, I guess so what, where, where have you come from? Are you really three mums who set this up on your own? You know, where's your funding coming from? Yeah, I can assure you we are. Um, we are three mums. We don't have any funding. Um, you could probably tell that by looking, you know, at our um, looking at, at the state of my office right now, and um, and and also, you know, we're 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 grassroots. Basically, we've set up the website. We're all working on this um, in our spare time, um, and you know, relying on on supporters um, as well. So we we have no funding whatsoever. Yeah, okay. okay, thanks for clearing that up. Um, so one thing I do want to challenge you on, and um, this is, uh, we are the education forum, we always put education first, and we're often quite critical of um, people who, you know, arguments about education being, which are about other things. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you've you've um, made a lot of your case based on, you know, things like human rights, things on this, you know, the 
psychological damage yeah. and so on. Are you uh, in doing that? Is there a danger? Are you um, sort of you know underestimating how kids, how resilient kids actually are? Because you know I think generally they've been through educational, you know, they've been through education in wars. They've been you know much worse situations than we're going through now. And some, you know the human race survives. Kids grow up. They get on with their lives. What, what are you? Is there a danger that you're being too down on kids really? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And we get that a lot. You know, one of the comments is kids adapt. Kids always adapt. That's what we always hear. And I think my concern personally is that, yes, they probably will adapt. They, they, they will. They'll adapt to social lack of social interaction. They'll adapt to being um, a metre or two metres apart from one another. That's not a desirable outcome as far as I'm concerned. And they're at a stage where that adaptation may it may stick. Um, I think also, you know, when we think about this whole issue, and it's, I think it's connected with resilience and how, how children will come through this, is they rely on us as adults to be consistent, to be clear. Um, and, you know, a, a point that, that somebody made um, the other day is that this whole situation is incredibly ambiguous for children. They have no anchor on which to hold themselves at all because adults don't have a solution to present to them. Um, and actually what we're doing now is telling them that all of the things we've spent all of our lives or every, their whole lives telling them as, as teachers, as, as parents, um, uh, the things we told them were important are no longer important. So whereas we told them before, you know, you, education is vital you go to school it's not optional to go to school now we're saying to them when actually not you, you're not able to go to school and not only that we have the prime minister saying that we'll be inviting children to school that's language that is not consistent with the message that as parents and teachers we've been giving um to children for so long so that ambiguity is is not going to help children to come through um, this crisis at all. They need, you know, this, this is, this is, we're basically telling them all the values that we'd held dear before are now no longer valid. Yeah, I think you've hit upon some really interesting moral, moral sort of points as well, as well there. So I think, that, you know, that's, that's very interesting. Um, I, maybe I should have asked this question first, but I, I'm tempted to say, looking at, uh, you know, um, well, you know, we're, we're um, you know, reading your website and reading your material. Um, you know, is your campaign really about the problems that come from kids being stuck at home rather than not being in school per se? So, I mean, just, you know, let's, we've got summer holidays uh, around the corner. We've got lockdown um, starting to ease, you know, will kids, will, will six weeks of kids being able to get out and see their mates sort of mean that, you know, by September, they're, they're okay, really. No, I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. I think we've got, you know, um, you know, the ed education is absolutely vital. Um, we're going to be faced with a situation where we've got a huge amount of variability between what children have been able to access while they've been at home. We know you know, we, we hear about, we're hearing about it all the time now, you know, the, the inequalities will be deepening. We've got, you know, um, two million children that haven't you know, been able to um, sustain um, online learning. Um, so this is going to mean, you know, intensive um, catch up 
um, for children. But I think beyond what they've actually been able or not able to sort of progress with, um, we've also we're falling out of the um, that engagement with 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 learning. I think it's quite difficult. I see from my own children, um, you know, despite best efforts, it's very difficult to keep um, that the engagement with the sort of program of learning. And I think that's you know. It's vital that they get back into a school environment as as soon as possible. To you know, we need to learn. We learn from our peers as well as um, you know as as well, and and that's not not been possible. Okay, um, thank you very much, Liz. Um, so uh, I think we're drawing come to the end of our time now. Um, so if people have listened to you. Uh, if they've been persuaded by what you've said and they'd like to you know, support support what you're doing, um, how can they get involved? Yeah, so they can um, visit our website, which is usforthem.co.uk. They can find us on Twitter, which is at usforthemuk. Um, and then we have a usforthemscotland, which is usforthemscotl1. Um, as well and we're very active um, on Twitter um, and from 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 Twitter and from the website they'll be able to find our Facebook um, pages as well okay and, and um, they can sign our petition we have a petition um, on our website um, which we have about 8,000 um, signatures to now right great okay well thank you very much for speaking to us today Liz it's been really interesting uh, nice to speak meet you and speak to you um, just a quick announcement before we finish up. Um, if you're listening, if you've enjoyed this podcast, you might like to check out the Education Forums page on academyofideas.org.uk. That's another website for you to go to. Uh, and you can sign up to our mailing list if you'd like to know about future debates and podcasts. Uh, the Academy of Ideas, the Academy of Ideas is running online discussions about not just education, but the arts, society, economy, several nights a week during lockdown and they're all free to attend if you'd like to support our work with a donation that would also be wonderful just go to academyofideas.org.uk i should say and click the big blue donate button um, but that's the announcement over i'd just like to finish by saying thanks once again to liz for joining us today and uh, thanks to you all for listening in bye-bye thank you cheers